0: Welcome to the Tough Love and Second Chances podcast. My name is Tony Bennett and it's my privilege to write, produce and share the remarkable stories of golfers who refuse to be defined by their disability. Frankly, what started out as a goal to relate the stories of a few golfers has become much more. It is said that everyone has a story and that is true. For several years I told the stories of golf professionals, how they became good players, great coaches and top club professionals. As enjoyable as this was, the words of my guests on Tough Love and Second Chances and found in the Edgar Profiles supported by Ping have helped me on a journey of discovery and all the while being a much-needed look into the human spirit. The openness of my guests is what makes their stories powerful, frequently revealing examples of how hope, courage and the opportunity to express oneself through the game of golf makes for a combination that can improve and even save lives. Tony Colts is the epitome of a straight-talking Aussie who's taken the cards that life has dealt him in, in his stride. When I sat down with Tony, it was just a few hours before he was about to tee off in the President's Cup demonstration event at the Royal Melbourne Golf Club. Tony had been looking forward to the event for weeks. The very thought of playing for Australia against an international team over the same course that some of the world's best tour players were going to compete on, had raised Tony's heart rate. In fairness, probably not by more than a couple of percentage points. Tony is laid back, and in this short but revealing interview, I had the opportunity to get to know the man that I've enjoyed spending some time around just a little bit better. Please enjoy my conversation with Tony Coates. Okay, Tony Coates, well, nice to be with you, and... uh... You're here at the President's Cup, about to start your demonstration event. That's going to take place, ten holes around the Royal Melbourne Golf Course. Looking forward to it.
1: Looking forward to it immensely. Yes, it's a big opportunity for us guys, and uh, especially me. Uh, The age I'm getting, these sorts of opportunities are going to run out. But
0: you're not that old.
1: I'm pushing nearly sixty-two. Yeah, so yeah, in golfing terms, you're starting to slow down. But yeah, it's uh, couldn't think of anything better than being here.
0: Tell me, going back to when you first got started to play golf, you, you told me that you'd played once left-handed and once right-handed, that's, that's before you had your accident, so yeah, how did that happen, that you played once right-handed and once left?
1: Um, it was a case of what clubs were available when we went out of the course, it was only kids, uh, I think I might have been about 15, 16, somewhere around there, and uh, played once with a right-hander and once with a left-hander and that's the only clubs we had so yeah so I tried both ways and that was it. You didn't take it up after that you? No I was playing other sports as well Australian rules football and basketball and squash and that so they were taking up my time and I didn't really get involved or get interested in golf then yeah.
0: we are a pretty sporty family? Yeah
1: fairly sporty family my brother's uh he was a a good afl coach and coached a few Brownlow medalists and that so yeah i got involved with him a footy coaching at a later date and we coached the state amateur side and,
0: and so forth so yeah and so you came back to golf after you'd had an accident that's right um, and yeah. so can you tell me a little bit about the accident
1: uh it was a car accident uh, ran into a pole a power pole uh, got out to have a look around i wasn't injured at that time um, was only a only hit at very slow speed and was looking around the car and it was an old pole that split down the middle. The wire fell down, hit me, stuck to my watch on my left arm, and yeah, knocked me about thirty or forty metres up the road. And a few days later, I woke up, um, and a couple of days after, they couldn't save couldn't save me arm, so they decided to take that off. I uh, also lost a third of my leg. Um, they said I might struggle to walk because it took away... On the same side? On the right-hand side.
0: On the other side, right?
1: Yeah, it took away the stabilising muscle from left to right, so they didn't think I could walk, but, I uh, Jumped up out of bed a couple of days later and said, you not stopping me from walking, I'm off. <laughs> so, yeah, that was okay. It
0: mm. seems like a, a bit of a bloody-minded thing to do, just to say, well, I'm I'm going to walk and that's it. So is it is that sort of part of your DNA, part of your family? So. Somebody tells you you can't do something, you get on with it and do it? Well, you have a go,
1: yeah. Um, you have a go. If it doesn't work, try something else, you know. like um, There's no use sitting back and just doing nothing because you'll never enjoy life, you know. You get out and have a go, which golf is a great medium f- for that to happen because you can get in and you can play it individually. You can go out and you can learn to play it on your own. You can learn to play it in a group. You can play in a group or on your own, um, not like a team sport where you're involved in teams, and you know you could think that you know you're not going to perform for the team. But golf, you can learn on your own. You can go out and get someone to teach you one on one. Then when you get into the social aspect of golf, actually playing, you meet so many people, and it gets you gets you back into life, so to speak. You know, and getting around people, and um, then that sort of got me into back playing cricket again, basketball again, squash again then I had the confidence you know to be around people and it wasn't such a big deal to play sport in front of people
0: yeah. so I mean you've given us a great overview there in the first few minutes of our, our conversation but if I can just dig in a little bit to what ha- what you know what your life was like beforehand before you had the accident so you said it was a relatively slow speed bump for want of a better description mm mm-hmm. Um, but what was your, what, you know, what was going on in your life before that? What, you know, what kind of work did you do? You, you said you were playing Aussie rules football. Mm. Ironically,
1: um, I was an electrician. I am an electrician by trade. Right. Okay. So we always run down the line of not a very good one, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I done my apprenticeship and was, you know, working in in the electrical trade, playing a bit of footy bit of other sport as well, you know, a bit of basketball life has gone along pretty. And how old were you when you had this bump Uh twenty-two, mm. so relatively young. Yeah. So Just I hadn't
0: hadn't had time to develop a you know, proper life. Should tell me then why golf afterwards, because golf wasn't there before uh, except for those couple of goals that you had left-handed and right-handed. So when did you turn to golf after the accident? What, what, what age would you be then? Um, uh, I'd have been coming
1: up 23 then, I reckon.
0: Um, so it's pretty, it was pretty quick straight after the accident then? It
1: was about two weeks after I got out of hospital. Uh, my brother grabbed a golf club and said, come over to the park and we'll go and hit a few balls. I said, I don't think I are going to do that. He uh, said, come on, we are going to have a and see what happens. You never know. I said, okay. So we went over and... Started having a few swings and, yeah, it wasn't all, like, successful for a, for a little while. Yeah, And then I started hitting a couple of them. Started feeling good and the more I hit, the better I was feeling. And, and I said, oh, I think I might be able to, you know, go all right, you know. Sort of just go out and play off a 27 Handicap or something like that and just have some fun. Uh, I think it was the first four months after I joined the golf club that uh, I won the Grey Championship. So, you know, I started on a 21 Handicap. Um, when I first started I think I got down to about 12 in maybe 4 or 5, 6 months so
0: yeah, it was Was good. it kind of all consuming for you at that time? Was it something that you really said yeah, I want to do this now? It was a
1: sport I wanted to play right. uh, was, I didn't go into hell bent practice, practice, practice and play um, <laughs> it was maybe went out twice a week and had a game Um, but loved it and I really relatively speaking I haven't really got into practice until these all abilities and amputee golf things came along about 5 or 6 years ago I wasn't aware of it then and then it got a bit more competitive and I sort sort of thought well if we're going to match it with some of these I'm going to have to do a little bit of practice at least you know so yeah that's when it sort of got more serious rather than a social aspect.
0: A couple of things strike me here is that you kind of you're very chilled out about about stuff in general. Is that would that be fair? Would that be a...
1: I take everything as it comes. You yeah. know, like once something's done, you can't do anything about it. You can only do something about going forward. Same as the golf, you know. Like you play a bad shot, you can't do anything about that. You can't do anything. About the future until you've done the present, so you can only focus on that single shot that you're playing. That's the only one you can, you know. You're the bad shot, you say, Oh, that's not good. But you've got to move on, you've got to go and play the next one. So yeah. that's how life is as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned about the, the competitors that you've got to play with. Yeah. It's more competitive now than ever, I think, probably because of the ranking. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Has that made a difference, do you think?
1: There's a lot more talk about it. With all these events that are around, it's everyone's jockeying for position because you know there's so many good events. We've, we've got the Presidents Cup.
0: We've
1: got the Australian Open last week. Um, Jeff went and played in Dubai, and Shane and Jeff went and played in, in Scotland. And it's the same for the European and American golfers. going around the world and playing. So there's a fair bit, fair bit, getting a fair bit to play for. You know, if you can, if you can get there, if you can, if you can do it, you know, it's. You're getting to play with the elite golfers in the world and the best courses in the world and the best setups, you know, the courses are always set up pristine for those events, like, how could you not like or enjoy it, you know, it's yeah. just unbelievable, yeah.
0: And how do you feel about, because there's, there's obviously there's conversations that, uh, about people playing in their own category, so leg players playing with leg players aren't playing with our own players, this is all abilities, and so what are your thoughts on, on you know how it should be set up? A difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult process, you know. Um,
1: how can I say this without sort of being, I don't know. Um, oh, you're an Australian, <coughs> saying as it is. I th- think yeah. the able bodied golfers, I think have got a little bit more. Than the amputee guys because of physical restraints. That is the way I see it. And then obviously you have got the physical constraints of where you've got one leg, two legs, or one arm, and they all present their own difficulties in playing. And how you rate them in degrees. Even you know like Shane and Steve, say they've they've tried one-handed and they just they just couldn't do it. You know, and I say well. I tried it on my leg, and I can't do it. You know? so where do you where do you draw the line? And um, I don't know. It's a difficult one. For I think mind's greater than mine To sit down and and sort out how they how they go with that, but yeah, yes. This being in its infancy, there's always going to be you know things are going to settle down as they go along. You know, it's going to be learnt, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a couple of things that, again that. That, that I find really interesting is that you now say that you're getting older, 62 mm-hmm. one of the, the strengths of our sport I guess is that we can have young players and we've got a couple of players here that are under 20 years of age or sorry, under 21 years of age I should have said mm. you've got yourself who's over 60 north of 60 uh, I think Jeff is approaching 60-ish mid-50s yeah. do, do you see a challenge from young players or how do you, how do you see that?
1: The handicap system in golf evens everything out, you know, I believe, in, in playing, whereas we're playing these championships and playing of scratch. So obviously the young guys are going to have an advantage in that because of their, their strength and durability. No. And the older guys, are supposed to have it in their head, do not they, yeah. you know, work their way around, so, but you can see Jeff's 58 or I think he's 58, yep. and he can match it with the young guys. And so, yeah, it's, you can. It's a game for everybody. It's a game for everybody, yeah. But, um, you know, you're playing for these, in, to play in these big events. It's got to be a scratch. Yeah. You know, you can't do it on a handicap basis, but um, I think there are opportunities out there for most of the other tournaments to be on a handicap basis. And, um, you can then see disability, disability, age, uh, gender, you know, you're all on the same. You can all play on the same platform and anyone has got a chance of
0: winning on any given day. A couple of things from from memory. You mentioned that you had your accident and two weeks later you were playing golf.
1: Two weeks after coming out of hospital.
0: Okay. So I was in
1: hospital for, uh, I think, a couple of months.
0: Okay. Yeah. In that first period of time, that first maybe the moment that you looked down because you were maybe you, you would be sedated at some point, mm-hmm. and was the arm taken before he came around, or did you have a decision to make?
1: Uh, I didn't make the decision. Doctors made the decision. Um, had it for a couple of days. Like got swallowed up probably about three to four times what it normally is, and. Um, they decided to slice it open with a scalpel with no anaesthetic, and they just had to sit, tell us when it starts to hurt because that's where your, your arm is and they got up to that, opened it up and yeah it wasn't nice to look at then um, but it was just too cooked, the blood vessels weren't, yeah, weren't pumping any blood anywhere so yeah, they said
0: got to take it off. Yeah. What was your immediate reaction when you realised that it was going to be taken off? I haven't got
1: a real lot of recollection of it, to be honest. I don't know whether I was, you know, pretty heavily sedated and didn't sort of know what was, what was happening, but my only real re- recollection was waking up without it.
0: Right.
1: So I must have done it pretty quick. Yeah. It's, um, obviously, I would have skin grafts and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah.
0: so your was recollection was waking up without it. What was going through your mind then? Blank.
1: Yeah, not really knowing what what was going to happen, what I was going to do, how I was going to do things like tie and yeah. yeah, that sort of thing. And it's yeah, that's probably it. But it, I didn't I didn't get angry. Yeah, and I just thought, well, I'm going to have to get on with it somehow. Yeah, and so let's
0: start now. What advice would you give to somebody else? Because you've now come out the other side of, of that. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who found themselves in a similar situation? Either you can take your pick, either at the moment when the doctor's saying, this is going to come off, or at the point when you wake up and you see that the arm is no longer there. Mm. What advice would you give to them? Um, but in the end, so we've got it.
1: Each person takes everything individually. You know, and my best advice is, what I say in a golf shop. you know, you play a bad shot, you've got ten steps to get over it, so you walk away ten steps to get over it. And I'd say in that situation, you've got a period of time to get over it and start again, and whether that's three, four, five, seven days, um, just give yourself a point where I'm going to say, righto, this has happened. I can't do anything about it, but I can do going forwards. I'd say pick yourself a time and say this is when I'm going to start reliving life and go from there. That would be my best best advice, I think.
0: That's good advice. Just a couple more questions. You've been around Disabled Golf now for a little while. All of...
1: um, You're talking about those type of events? Not or necessarily, all, no, just, generally. State events, just generally.
0: Just generally. So not necessarily about events, not necessarily about... These kind of events or competitions in states—just what you'd like to see to happen to, to golf—to make it more accessible for anybody with a disability, anybody with an impairment. Yeah. Hmm. It depends at, at the level where you're looking to go at in all abilities. I think
1: you know, um, maybe more emphasis put on the net and stable foot in, in events, big big events, because. Yeah. Um, the winning percentage of, that's probably about 10% of the field of people that can win a gross event, yeah, on any given event, so to create the interest and get the people there, um, if they made them more emphasis on the net or the stable foot event, get them in, make them, uh, you know, the tier for the, for the competition, but your major events, your big events become the gross events, you know. Um, state or national titles or whatever, they're, they're the gross events but um, general events going around I think yeah, more emphasis on the net and stablehood for, for everyone right. I think
0: The last question is that on Wednesday you went um, to a rehabilitation hospital yep. and this is something that Edgar's been promoting now for several years, Yep. that if you do any kind of event, it should also be Another element to that, another part of the whole thing, which is we should be going to the rehab centres, the hospitals, the, the, the schools, etc., yep. to be able to to have a first touch for people in the rehabilitation centre, so that it can figure out that actually golf is an option. Yep. Uh, what was your experience of that uh, on Wednesday? That was good.
1: Yeah. Um, I wasn't really sure how. The participants coming in were going to react, you know. Most of them That's seemed, before you went. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them seemed to really enjoy it, didn't they? You know. Absolutely. A um, little bit of skill games, and uh, I got involved with one guy in particular who had a stroke and he couldn't use his left arm and really wanted to play golf and didn't really know how to get into it and do it. So I gave him a bit of coaching and a bit of support, and we're going to keep keep talking and. Um, they're getting developed and he was absolutely stoked, you know. Um, He walked away, he could hit the golf ball and uh, and that and, yeah, that was... I felt really chuffed about that, you know. He was a lovely young bloke. Um, And there were some guys and girls there in wheelchairs that um, could play wheelchair golf um, and they'd hit something down and they'd get it in the ring and see the smiles on their faces, you know. Uh, because it's got to be a pretty hard life in a wheelchair all the time, and you've got nothing to do, and, and yeah, get him involved in something like that, and, yeah, make them happy, and find that it makes the hours of the day go quicker if you're doing something like that for them, for the people like that, yeah, it's
0: really good, yeah. Excellent. Well, look, Tony, thanks for the time. I know that uh, you've got to go and do a bit more practice now, and get yourself ready for... Taking on this international team, Australia versus the the international team this afternoon. Wish you all the best with that. Hope it goes well. Go Aussie. And uh, I (laughs) can't say that I'm going to say go Aussie, but uh, I've got my foot in both camps here. I'm partly honorary Australian this week and partly honorary international this week. So I've got to stay. uh, I've got to stay reasonably independent of the of of both matches. But good answer. I hope you have a good one, and uh, I'm sure that you'll have a great experience and when you look back on your 10 holes at the President's Cup will be uh, something to remember for a long time.
1: The highlight of my golf, yes for sure.
0: Right. Thanks Tom. Thank you My sincere thanks to our partners Ping Golf who have made this podcast possible Ping helped golfers around the world to play their best For more information about Edgar, please visit EdgarGolf.com and stay tuned for the next Tough Love and Second Chances podcast.